take the limits off how much goodness you think God can express to you. It's a good thought, isn't it? It's a great thought. So I just thought before I get into sort of what, what I prepared and help you one sense of where we're going, but just, just help us uh, get hold of what we just experienced. I don't know what, what, what feelings, what sense you had of, of what was going on in, in the room just now. When we worship, uh, basically the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise him, he's with us, his presence is with us. But uh, One of the things I've learned over <coughs> the years is, is that's, that's that's great in a general sense. It's always true that presence, his presence is here. And I know his presence in me, you know, since I was born again when I was 16. I've known his presence never leaves me. Um, but what I've learned to do is discern which bit of his presence he's, he's, he's actually uh, highlighting at anyone, which bit of his nature is, is he highlighting at any moment in time. Um, because when he does that, and then I pay attention to it, um, because what I've learned is when I pay attention to the things that he's revealing and I hold on to them, then, then they increase in my life. Um, the Bible tells you that, that if you, you know, <coughs> he who has more will be given to him and he who has not, even what he has, gets taken away. Now that's it's a strange verse, but it, 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 it seems unfair on the surface, but it's basically saying this, that, that actually every one of us in this room has been given an opportunity, effectively the same opportunity tonight, of an encounter with, with God. God is here. Um, now, how much of that you, you take as yours, I've got something, is how much it will increase. Um, and if you manage to sort of dismiss it and not, 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 not take note or not, not treat it as a treasure to, to, to hold on to, then you, you will lose it. Does that make sense to you? I've illustrated this sometimes. You know, it, um, um, if, if, say I, I gave you a gift, say I gave you a gift of one of my books tonight and I've given it to you but you've lost it by the time you get home it's not that I didn't give you something but if you carelessly lost it en route or somebody stole it from you who who wants to steal what you gain right now you have an enemy who who loves to to rob and steal and destroy and it's amazing that that the amount of, of, of activity he will focus on you as soon as you leave a Christian meeting, how many of you managed to lose your peace within five minutes of? Until you manage, somehow you get into an argument in the car, going driving down Springer Park. What, what, what just happened to us? What just happened to us? Uh, I know that some of you have obviously had this experience. It's, it's a sense of we don't live in spiritually, spiritually neutral territory. We, we, live, we live in 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 a battle, constant. <clears throat> now God wins the battle. I know, I know the end of the story, he always wins, but, but en route, <laughs> I want to make sure I win and get hold of what he's, what he's got. So what I want to suggest to you that this is what I sensed, and I think it was, it was broadly available, because it was an unusual sense of, of, of God revealing himself, because I, what I sensed was his gentleness and his kindness. Does that make sense to any of you, that what you think, ooh. Now, that is an aspect of God's nature. How do I know that? I'll, I'll tug it out of you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Help me here, help me, help me here. How do, how do I know that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit are aspects of His nature. 
the fruit of the Spirit that, we can, that can grow in our lives, it says actually you, you, that fruit grows because I'm grafted into him. So, so it comes out of who he is. It's his DNA that makes that true. So kindness and gentleness. Now they're kind of, they're strange things to define. And I don't know how you, you define gentleness. It's very difficult to describe it without referring it to what it's not. Like it's not harsh. Do you know, it's, it's, it, gentleness is a strange, but, but gentleness. But there's something in the New Testament. It says this, that uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. Is it? Now that, so, so obviously it's quite important. <laughs> so if, we met, if, if this is something that's meant to be on, on display for other people, our gentleness. So, so, and I feel God actually has put a deposit in in the room of gentleness and, and kindness, which are parts of his character. Now, it wasn't necessarily what I was anticipating over the last week. I thought, I thought we'd have a boom, boom power. Um, but, but, and that's not that it isn't powerful, but I think there's, there's a sense of what he's doing. And, and it reminded me of a couple of years ago, about this time of year, in this exact same space, where uh, we experienced the pleasure of God in a, a tangible way, in a way that I had not experienced it before, didn't know. I've known the joy of God, but the pleasure of God, to know the pleasure of God on your life. And that, that came in the context of uh, about 70 people who worked in the health world gathering together and with a common purpose, daring to put down the dreams that God had given us for the health service, not for our own lives, but actually for the, we dared to, to, to articulate those and we put them on the sheets of paper and stuck those papers on the wall and boom, God came in the room and it was quite extraordinary. Um, some of you were here, I, I know, and, and, and then in addition to that, what happened afterwards when we actually did a, a fire tunnel, I don't know what one of those is, it's just a very efficient way of laying hands on people, um, and expecting God to come. This fire tunnel was forming over here, and I was trying to organise these 60, 70 health professionals over there and explain to them what was likely to happen to them. This, this rowdy bunch over here, was, I thought, oh, come on, give me a chance, get quiet and down. And, 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 and they were sort of taking off jumpers and stuff like this. I thought, what's going on over there? Um, but what happened over here was actually, that as I was trying to explain to these people what they were going to experience, these people here were literally experiencing the fire of heaven. Literally, they were streaming. It was hot. I think you were in that. So it was, and um, my friend Wacky Evans, who is from Bethel, and, and you know, I wouldn't know how many healing miracles he could tell you, but also um, how many fire tunnels he's been in and led. He said he'd never experienced a fire tunnel like it because he literally felt like the fire of heaven was on him. Then these, anyway, I haven't got it organized to something. I'm not sure. You can't organize that, but. You certainly can't organise it to happen. All you can do is actually run with it once it is happening. Yeah? Well, these 60, 70 health workers walked through the time. Well, only one managed to make it through. <laughs> only, only one got, got through on, 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 you know, still standing. Uh, and that person didn't last long out, once out the other side. And then, and then I watched in, in awe as, as these 60 to 70 people who worked in the health world laid on the floor encountering almighty God in an awesome way that I, you don't touch. There are certain things you don't touch. So I want to invite you now to close your eyes. Raise your hands. 
and encounter the living God. Father, we, we recognize that you are good. <laughs> and you are kind and gentle. Right now, I say, release your kindness and your gentleness on everyone, I pray. Into the depths of their beings. <laughs> May they know you in a new and fresh and greater dimension. I've, um, I've been seeking God through worship and, and just asking him what his pleasure feels like, saying, I want to feel your pleasure. And, and I had a preconceived idea that that would be laughter, that would be fun, that would be joy. And actually, just as this kindness and gentleness fell, I felt God say, this is my pleasure and it's, it's manifesting in a deep satisfaction. That he is deeply satisfied. And that we can embrace that. So just, just extend your capacity now to understand that this is a loving father who is deeply satisfied. That sees his creation and declares that it is good. He is supremely pleased. He is deeply, deeply satisfied. And Father, I pray for the fire of heaven to fall right now. for the fire of heaven to fall on everyone right now. Just as on the day of Pentecost, I pray for fire to come and rest on each one. Wow! And release. I pray now for the release of spiritual gifts. New levels of faith and courage. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we embrace the power you're releasing in this place right now. And thank you that your power can be kind and gentle. Whoa! <laughs> release the pleasure of God in this place right now. The pleasure of God be released in this place. release the joy of heaven I've been looking at the book of Nehemiah and I'll say this that, and, and um, it's, it's fascinating when they, when they get around and they've completed the work on their walls and they're, they're starting to dedicate it to God it starts I'm just, I keep, keep receiving while I'm just talking about this It was interesting. Ezra was reading from the book of Moses to the whole nation. Um, 
all those who were aged to understand it says and so he started to read the book of Moses now the book of Moses would be the five books of the Bible that we know the Pentateuch and um, <clears throat> and it's interesting that the people um, it says this in it's in Nehemiah verse 8 it says that they, they started to worship and it said with this it says with their faces to the ground with their faces to the ground and and <clears throat> This was the response from both Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra, really. It says, don't mourn or weep. Ce- celebrate. Feast. Eat and drink. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you encounter God, it's sometimes it, it's, it's that sense of, it's, it's so awesome that the you just want to lie flat out, face to the ground, worship. If God's saying, I want you to raise your head and look at me face to face. Yeah, I want you to start to celebrate. I want you to start to celebrate who I am. And what I've done with great joy, not just a little bit of joy. It says celebrate with great joys. <clears throat> and it actually goes, in verse 17, it says they were filled with great joy. <laughs> Woo, filled with great joy. <laughs> it says of Jesus, Jesus was filled with joy by the Holy Spirit. You know, that, wow! Because that's another fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that well, He expects to grow in our, our lives. So we release the joy because the joy of the Lord is a strength. Why? The joy will help you overcome so many things. And it was interesting. It goes on to say, this was interesting. In, in chapter 12 of Nehemiah, they get around to the dedication of the wall. And it says, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. <laughs> now, uh, how, how, do you, how can you? Well, so some people say, "Well, how can you be rejoicing?" You know, look at look at the circumstantial love. That, you can rejoice because God gives you great joy. It's, it's not tricky. Be joyful always. The Bible says. It's, 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 you know, sometimes people talk to me, to me and they want to know what the will of God is for their life. I say it's very simple. God tells you very clearly in Thessalonians. He says, "Be joyful always." thankful in every circumstance and pray without ceasing that's god's it says this is god's will for your life the rest is up to you you get on with it but, but you get choices to make <clears throat> but be joyful always how can that be true because he wants to fill you with great joy he wants to fill you with great joy and then it goes on the women and the children also rejoice Now listen to this. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The sound of of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. And that that reminds me of of the New Testament story in Acts chapter 8 when Philip goes to Samaria and he does signs and wonders and miracles and he releases the power of God and it says there was joy in that whole city. An outcome of the activity of God is joy being known and spreading out I, I think it's about time that the, the church was known for joy rather than misery 
<coughs> Want to go somewhere to find joy? Be great if the ch- <coughs> be great if the church was top of the list, wouldn't it? It's not. It's not. Not even on most people. Well, it'd, be the, it'd be on the list to avoid. <coughs> it goes on from that. It says, the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruit, fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. And it's interesting that I find that, that so their great joy is then, then linked to their great giving. Their, their worship and offerings to God. And in, in the, the New Testament it says, uh, God loves a what? Uh, cheerful giver. I think you could translate that a joyful giver. He loves us all, I know, but actually he really loves cheerful givers. <laughs> he, he loves the act of cheerful giving. And I think God wants to give us so much joy that it overflows. That, that, that <clears throat> yeah. Part of the storehouse, you see, we're, we're meant to be gathering resources. This is the, one of the prophecies that we have for Eastgate is that, that it would be have a Joseph anointing, which means we, we, we get enough resources to feed the nations. That means you've got to have a lot of resources. Well, sometimes you could look at your resources, well, what, what are they? Well, joy. Joy is a great resource. Peace is a great resource. Love's a great resource. We're not just talking about money stuff, we're talking about some of the stuff that, you know, how, how many people would... would love to find peace of mind. I'm talking about people in the world. That's a great resource to offer people. How many would, people would like joy inexpressible, which is what it offers? That's a great resource. I'm just trying to help you understand what the resources of God look like. We're not talking about human resources. We're talking about the resources of heaven deployed around here. I love it when people come into, in, into this place and it, you know, Christians and non-Christians alike say, wow, maybe a freedom in this place. And here's a testimony. This is from a friend of mine who's, who's a business guy, uh, by his own admission, not a religious person, not a Christian, and he chooses to come and work in Eastgate Cafe because uh, he just loves the place. I love it here. I love it here. I said, oh, I said yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite places to work. I said, it's amazing. I said, so I asked him one day, well, what is it? What is it that you found here that you love? And he said this. He said, it was interesting. He said two things. He said, he says, the kindness and the professionalism. I thought, wow, he just encountered God in a professional way, which is brilliant. You know, this is a man who's high, high professional business guy, works at really high and influential levels, and he comes here and he says, I like it here because it's kind. That's powerful. It's powerful. So joy, I want to suggest to you that joy is one of your greatest resources in life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
in the New Testament, it talks about the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is a, is a direct outcome of, of understanding what righteousness is. Well, righteousness is that you are, if you are born again, you will now have complete right standing with God, which can never be removed from you. Is that not good? That's enough to make you... That's a, See, see, if you get that right, that you know that all your sins are forgiven, never to be revisited to you because Jesus took them all, that that's not the issue anymore. And Christianity is not a sin avoidance program. It's a life program of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So righteousness means I have right standing with, with God. And I actually, right now, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Wow! You, know, you can't get higher. Righteousness, once you've got that sorted, then you can live in peace. And we would, we've been talking about en- enemy tactics, and um, you know, we, we don't live in a spiritually neutral environment. <coughs> uh, one of the, well, probably, I, I think the most imp- important spiritual weapon you've got is peace. Because most spiritual warfare, is, it's, in, it's internal, it's not external. It's what's going on in your brain, that's the key issue. And in your emotions, in your heart. And what will guard your heart and mind? Peace. Peace that goes beyond all understanding. This peace can guard your heart and mind. So do you guard your peace? I would suggest it's a good idea. But how, how do you get it? Well, it's, it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So it grows through connection. It's it's, it's an inevitable result of connection with God. Who wants to rob you of that? Who wants to make you anxious? Who wants to rob you of your peace? It's the devil, right? So so it's not circumstance. Circumstances can't rob you of your peace. But you can allow spiritual forces to, to rob you. Once you've lost your peace, you've not got it to give away. You've not got the resource to give to other people. Does that make sense? This is a resource, a storehouse of righteousness, peace, and joy. <coughs> and you, you can do a study on joy. It's, 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 it's fantastic. You know, just get, get your concordance out. or They're all online nowadays. I would suggest you do. <coughs> One of the outcomes of that... <coughs> And God's pleasure upon us, I believe, and what he releases through, through peace and, and joy. I think it gives you a great platform for dreaming. Yeah? See, if, if you've not got peace of mind, what your mind is preoccupied with is problems. The challenges of life. Yeah, so, 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 so there's a preoccupation. That's what anxiety is. Anxiety is a preoccupation with problems, challenges, a lot of which don't even exist. They're just actually, you're thinking they might. A lot of anxiety is linked to dreaming the wrong way. It is. You, you believe that something's going to happen. It's, it's, it's not. Yeah, does that make sense? You, 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 what if maybe, oh goodness, you know, you, you start, you, your mind starts to go down a, an avenue, you think, well, goodness, and then before you know, you know, the world's fallen apart, and you think, well, my goodness, and life's dreadful. 
and you're starting from here and suddenly you because what happened your, your, your mind suddenly set off in a but peace won't direct you that way peace will direct you that way because it leaves you in a space where you can dream you know the, the, the whole chance of, of wow so, so what, do I, what do I try and preoccupy my mind with changing the world getting rid of dementia creating heaven in healthcare creating this amazing thing called Eastgate that's, you know, I've got I've got dreams in my life that, are, that have been there for 40 years that are now become, coming true yeah, 40, particularly heaven in healthcare I had another one that, which was the uh, best part of 50 years old uh, so it was a life dream that I had uh, it was to do with, with actually being part of the Olympic Games. I got that dream when I was six years old. I remember it precisely, because that that, it was 1964 and it was a Tokyo Olympics. It's going back there, actually. It's next, next, next Olympics back in Tokyo. My first one I can remember, because the first one I was alive and I was only two, I don't remember that one. But from six on, I can tell you every one. Oh, yeah, you ask him. I'm, I'm a... I'm, I'm an, Olymp- an Olympics n- nerd, I, I, you know, or, or no? <laughs> I, 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 well, it captured my, my my mind when I was six. I thought, I want to do that. You know, and what, I, thought, I fancy getting one of those gold medals around my neck and national anthem, dardy dardy, flag up the pole. And that was my greatest dream, desire when I was growing up to, to compete in the Olympic Games. As a little six-year-old. No. Not, not brought up in any Christian environment. I was just a six-year-old with a dream, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I did a lot of good. Sp- I, I did a lot of sport and loved it. I never attained to that to that level. <clears throat> so I want to talk to you a bit about dreams, and I have got a video to show you at the end, which will be no surprise to anybody who was at the first meeting. And I make no apology for showing you the same video. All right. Now, here's, here's a great philosopher talking about dreams. His name's Richard Branson. You'll have heard of him. And what, this is Richard Branson talking about dreams. And it's, this is extremely powerful. Okay, so Richard Branson says this. Don't betray your dreams for the sake of fitting in. Dreaming is one of humanity's greatest gifts. It champions aspiration, spurs innovation, leads to change, and propels the world forward. We should all dream and encourage others to do so too. In a world without dreams, there would be no art, no adventure, no moon landing, no female CEOs, and no civil rights. What a half-lived and tragic existence we would have. Just before we done, who's, who's the first dreamer? God, God, yeah, God. God's the first dreamer. When, when did he start dreaming of you? Before the foundation of the world, he dreamed you up. For his pleasure, it says. For his pleasure, he had a dream. He said, "You know what? I'm going to make that one." When you watch what happens with that life because he's, 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 he's dreamed of you 
And he's actually got a destiny for you. He's got a plan for you. He's got works prepared in advance for you to do. And they're all for, actually, if you read it, it's for, for his pleasure, which actually brings you pleasure. Yeah. <clears throat> so speaking on the importance of dreaming, American entrepreneur, author, and humanitarian activist, Dan Pelotta, said, I believe that dreams taken seriously are the most sophisticated things known to humanity. How about that? A great dream drives innovation. It doesn't happen the other way around. A great dream drives collaboration. It doesn't happen the other way around. Okay, fast forward from 1964 to 2012. So what significant event happened in London in 2012? Yeah. The Olympic Games. I would suggest you, because I remember the day that... that, that, that uh, we got the news that, that, that Great Britain had got the Olympic game. Anybody else remember that? We got, we got the Olympic game. Yes, and we, and we beat the French. Not that I'm meant to rejoice about that, but... They got it in 24. It's all right. They got it. They're only 12 years late, but that was all right. So They got it in 20. I'm looking forward to going to Paris in 24 for the Olympics, by the way. Some, somebody said, am I going... I think, oh, that's it. John asked me if I was going to Tokyo. I thought, mm, yeah, not that I know of yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> got the bug now. Anyway, it became, a, it became a national dream, actually, didn't it? The Olympic Games. That, with a torch, went around the nation. Passed through Gravesend. Amazing. How many people... Got, how many volunteers were there for the Olympic Games? Any, any ideas? 70,000 is the answer. 70,000 people. They were called the Games Makers. They created an atmosphere that was quite extraordinary. I think many of you might have experienced it, but if you were anywhere in London during the six weeks, it wasn't just the Olympics, but the Paralympics and in between for six weeks, the atmosphere of London, and then actually said the nation changed. It was, it was just extraordinary, because it was good news. You know, actually, what you heard on the news every day was good news. It was good news. It was good news. It was just a celebration of good news. Does that make you think of anything? Hmm. What are we meant to be? A celebration of good news. Yeah. What have we got? What have we got to give away? Good news. That's why good news is so important to us here in Eastgate. We start with good news. You know, good news. Good news. So for, for six weeks, and I would just say it was extraordinary. And people took the, the newspapers were talking about it. Say, and, and I'll come on to it in a while. But there was there was. Uh, an evening uh, which the, the um, newspapers reported as, as, as the evening or actually even the hour that changed the nation. Don't anybody remember those headlines? It was, it was the golden hour in the Olympic Stadium on Saturday the 4th of August 2012. So I told you I'm a nerd on this. but <laughs> The reason I know that is because I was there with Kim. We had a dream. I had a dream, and Kim helped me. I wanted to get tickets. I got lots of tickets, but eventually I chased that one down. It took a lot to chase it down. It cost us a lot of money. But I wanted to be there because I'd worked out that that was when I was most likely to see a gold medal won by an Olymp a GB Olympic athlete in the Olympic Stadium, and I would be there to see the flag go up and the national anthem played. And we were there, Kim and I almost 50 years on from when I was six-year-old, dreaming. 
of taking part in the Olympic Games and seeing a gold medal. I wanted to win one. No, I know I did. Because Mo Farah said that without the crowd, he wouldn't have got it. <laughs> I see, you can read it. I've got it. I've got, I've got, the, I've got the newspaper clips. <laughs> I have the evidence. I can actually give you the times. He said uh, how, much, how much time the crowd would gain him. It was, it was about 0.2 of a second over 10,000 metres, and he won it by less than 0.2 of a second. So, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> what was that? You see, I think God takes note of our dreams. There's a lot of young folks here. God's given you dreams. You don't even know some at the moment. And then God's given me all sorts of dreams along the route. And 2004, he birthed a dream in, in me through a prophetic word of, he said, I, it came to me personally, but it's become ours as a church. Then somebody prophesying that God was going to place us at the east gate of the city, and here we are. And, and I, I want to get you to get hold of the faithfulness of God. Is he faithful? We've sung it. He is faithful. He'll move mountains to, to prove his faithfulness to you. So this goes on. Dreams, okay? Um, this is back to Richard Branson. Don't be self-conscious about dream, don't be self-conscious about dreaming or about people thinking you're too idealistic and not serious enough. It, just a little tip in life. When people are asking you to be real, they're normally asking you to be pessimistic. Get real. Is you, is, I've never come across somebody asking me to get real who's spurring me on to greater works. The get real is, 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 is get your feet back on the ground. Let's deal with reality. I like dealing with reality. If you don't know, I'm a medical doctor. I deal with a lot of reality. I've seen probably more reality than most people have. But I like dealing with it with God because his reality comes to bear on that reality. And it changes that reality. What's reality for me? It's God. God in the equation changes the reality. No, the reality without God in it, well, just it's the reality, but, but put God in that, he changes. When he walks into the room, anything, everything changes. It does. So, you know, I've seen people raised from the dead. It's kind of cool. I don't say that just that, but it's. I can tell you stories that I just you cannot buy with money. They're, they're, you know, whatever human riches you throw at me can't buy the stories that I've got. You know, giving an 18-month-old little girl who had died back to her mum alive. You can't buy that. You know, we have we have riches that go beyond any earthly reality we've got heaven to bring to bear on any and every situation isn't that amazing and, and, and so the dreams we have so, so don't, don't allow self criticism <clears throat> don't talk yourself down, don't get over serious about it don't talk yourself out of your dreams, don't, don't allow your self talk to be judgmental, look at this look at the, no, this is Richard Branson this is like a pre- look at the world with wide eyed enthusiasm Believe you are more powerful than the problems that confront you and dream big. I think, I think that's in the Bible somewhere. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 
At Virgin, we know better than most the value of dreaming. Had we not dreamed, we would have never got to where we are today. The odds have been stacked against us along the way, but we have put faith in our hopes and desires, and by not limiting ourselves to what we know or have been told to be true, we've been able to turn one dream into another. I remember when I first went to university, I, I, I was born again when I was 16, and basically I didn't have any idea that there was, there was a sort of a halfway house of Christianity between dead and alive. Because um, uh, <laughs> I'd experienced dead church, and you know, just because I was a Boy Scout and had to go to church parade, and I thought, yeah, this is dead, I don't like this. Is I'm not, any, any reason I could get out of that, I would... Um, I didn't, well, we had no religious upbringing. And then suddenly, you know, Jesus, well, Jesus found me. And I thought, wow, he'd got life. And I gave my life to him because it seemed like a great swap. I had a great life, but he was offering me a better one. I thought, I, I, thank you very much. But in order to take that one, you have to let that one go. You know, but that didn't seem a big problem. It's not a big problem if you've seen the pearl of great price, is it? If he's worth that much. And that's what my life was built on that, I thought, well, he's amazing. And he's, I've just discovered he's, he's more and more amazing. <coughs> and uh, now, just en route, he's given me so many dreams. When I was 20, he came into my university room and met with me. Almost face to face. It was an extraordinary experience. And I had a similar one just before Kim and I got married. And I knew back then, when I was 20, that God called me to lead millions of people into freedom. That's why I do what I do. So when Kim and I received heavenly calling, literally heavenly calling in 2009 to create beachheads for freedom, I knew what I was doing. It lined up with a dream that God gave me. God wants to give you dreams, yeah? He's got a big dream. God's a big dreamer. <coughs> okay. Listen, the benefits of dreaming far outweigh the perceived risks. Because the value of dreaming isn't just measured by the outcome, but the inspiration that comes from the journey of achieving the dream. And what I've been talking about of the, these four messages is actually building the future together this particularly for you know, this Eastgate church family that we're part of community, whatever we like to call ourselves <clears throat> I'm just so excited about the next decade I, I'm beyond excited you should have seen me the other Friday I was, whoo, I was like cat with two tails because all of a sudden some things fell into place that I thought, wow, 40 years I've been waiting for that <laughs> literally 40, 40 years and now oh goodness me God is, is, is just releasing the resources of into this place more and more. You know, I'm, just, I'm staggered. I'm just staggered. Um, so what, this is, I think I've told somebody this recently, but you know, I have a, a, this massive dream called Heaven in Healthcare because I've always wanted to put medicine and, and Christianity t- together for the benefit of the world. Um, I've done it in my own life, um, but we're putting this thing together. But coming up for two years ago now, actually, I was having a conversation with God uh, because I'd just given up, I'd literally just given up my medical license to practice medicine to build this thing. And that was quite a serious, because I, I loved being a doctor and I liked practicing medicine. So to give that up was, was hard. It was a sacrifice. <laughs> a few weeks in, as I was sort of giving my time to it, I came to the conclusion, I said, God, I don't think I know how to build this thing. And he said, no, you don't. 
And that was the end of the conversation. I thought, well, that's not very helpful, really. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was initially not, I think, what? That, so, I thought, so I then started praying, saying, okay, God, well, literally the, that harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So you better give me the workers because I don't know how to do this. The resources that are now deployed towards heaven and healthcare from people volunteering, they've caught a vision of it. It's just staggering to my mind. Um, but wow, that's a big dream, but it's big enough because it's a dream that's going to change the world. Come and join in next weekend if you want to when we're having our conference and going on. Okay, <clears throat> back to this guy, Dan Pelotta. He said this. When we show people that something is possible that they didn't think was possible, you'll have to follow this. I'll read it again because it takes a bit of understanding. When we show people that something is possible that they didn't think was possible, it does more than just change things. It changes the way people think about the possibility of things changing. Do you understand that? So it doesn't just change. It changes the way perceive possibility. So I've just, I've just thrown out some things there that I've seen people raised from the dead. That gives you an opportunity to change the way you think about that possibility. It's in the Bible. Jesus said, actually, you know, this is what... <laughs> send people out to cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead. So it's, 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 it's definitely there. <laughs> Cast out demons, not a problem. Got that one sorted. Got that sorted when I was 19. Didn't, no, no deal. Healing. We're building that up. So I have a passion that the, by the, no, well, I think, hmm, yeah, within the next 10 years, I think we'll have that reestablished as normal in Christianity. It's becoming pretty normal for East Coast. We wouldn't have a week go by without multiple healing miracles around here. So that's pretty cool. But raising the dead. And this, can I just say that raising the dead is not the far end of the spectrum of healing the sick. It's a different thing. Because not everybody wants to come back. If I get to the end of my time, say I'm 85 and I die, don't try and get me back. I'm, I don't, I'm not likely to want to come. <laughs> and I hope I get a say. You know, but, do you understand what I'm saying? It, 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 it's, it's, it, that's what I'm just trying to help you understand. It's not the same as healing. I haven't got time to go into that in details, but, but it's a different thing. Jesus separated them out. So, <clears throat> But what about that possibility? Ooh, okay, it, it helps them see that life is not the same day after day, unsurprising, unending drudgery that so much of life teaches them that it is, and that it is a huge contribution to their humanity. Dream big, and you'll be presented with the opportunity to lead the world on an incredible adventure. Isn't that amazing? Who should be the biggest dreamers in the world? Christians. Because we've actually got the biggest dreamer as our head, as our source. <coughs> this is something that a lady called <coughs> Helen Keller said. Helen Keller was deaf and blind, I think. I can't remember whether she was mute as well, but she was certainly deaf and blind. This is what she said. Life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all.
So I want you to dare to dream big. I've got a little smile on my face because it, what I know then is, is <laughs> this is what the Bible says, that God wants to give you more than you ever ask or imagine. <laughs> so no matter how high you dream, he's got more. <clears throat> and dreams, dreams reside in the place of your imagination. And Again, that's something we are reclaiming because for too long the devil's dealt a line to Christianity that goes like this, that's just your imagination. And people dismiss it because, oh, that's just your imagination. I remember people saying that, oh, it's just your imagination, as if I shouldn't trust my imagination. My imagination is sanctified. Why? Because I'm sanctified. Yeah, I can still be tempted but what the Bible tells me I have the mind of Christ that, that's, that's what my born again status gives me so learning to understand his thoughts and his dreams is actually an, such an important part of my maturing as a Christian and the ability to trust my imagination and we did it once, even this evening actually Kim you know, led us and, and, you know, soaring on eagles. You, and as you start to do that, do you understand you, you actually enter into to things? There's a realm of revelation that, that sits in the area of imagination. You know, does God want to reveal new truths about himself to you? Yes, he does. The place that's likely to happen first is in your imagination. It's not something, you know, revelation is not the same as information and it's not the same as teaching. Now, you can get revelation through teaching and information, but it, you know, hear me right there. <clears throat> God wants to reveal himself to you because he's, we've got a spirit of wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1.17 says God wants to, this is what God encourages in, in, in the, in the um, Paul's writing, he says that you continue to ask that, that, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better. That, that, that's, the, that's what he wants. Um, so what I want to encourage you is, is, is in the realms of imagination, receive revelation. Now, I'm going to stop talking because I want, I, want I want us to see this song. Now, maybe you'll be, be aware of what it is. Because um, I think it's a song from the, the film The Greatest Showman. Um, and... Uh, I've shown it umpteen times. I keep on watching it. It is, it is extremely profound, and I want you to have a look at... Just watch the words and let it, let it be stood by it, because there's bits in there thinking, this could come right out of the Bible. Uh, there's a house that we can build, filled with things from far away. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And, and, and joining together in, in a, a dream. So I want to use this. So... Start a dream of creating the world around you so here's a question for you who, who, who did God give the responsibility to to rule the world Us. his authority the dreams and uh, it's time for us to take hold of what God's got for us and build a future a future that he will release to us in revelation and dreams don't be frightened of your dreams but let's do it together, shall we? As Christians start to do this, then the world will change. I'm confident of it. You know, we're seeing it happen. So, this is my invitation to you: is 
join in. I'm going to use a song now which talks about, well, I'll put it on there at the back. Uh, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Okay, now as we, as we play this, I want you to, to, to let Jesus walk into your room and change anything that needs to be changed in your life. But then imagine, wherever you are tomorrow morning, who is with you in that room? As soon as you walk into a room, everything changes. The potential is there for everything to change as soon as you walk into a room because you have the Holy Spirit inside you. You have the God of the universe inside you. If you're born again, this is true. God is inside you. What is the potential of your Christian life? Literally beyond measure and beyond imagination. So, Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, I ask you now to pour yourself out once again on every one of us in this place. We we choose to embrace the destiny you've placed in front of us. You've chosen before the foundation of the world and works prepared in advance for you to do And it doesn't matter how big you imagine those works are, they're bigger. He's not giving you a little bit. He's he's got this massive destiny and a massive part for you to play in changing the world around us. But we do that together. this This is the joy. It's meant to be done together in community. That's the church. And the church is what I meant, what I call it. It's meant to be a dream factory. It's meant to be this safe place. So Jesus, we pray, would you give us continuing wisdom and power to create your church, a city set on a hill that can't be hidden, the light of the world that will overcome every aspect of darkness. I release the power of heaven on everybody right now. Father, break. Open the floodgates of heaven right now and release so much blessing we won't be able to contain it. We... We claim that promise right now. Open the floodgates of heaven. Open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that we will not be able to contain it. We pray that the sound of rejoicing would go out and spread from this place. We pray that would be the testimony, not just this church, but churches throughout this nation and other nations, that the, the sound of rejoicing would be known, that cities would be filled with joy because of the activity of God. I pray. I have a picture in my mind of, of you know, the runner dominoes? Shoo. Where you knock one over and the next one goes. This is the first domino going down. Tonight, God, show me that. He gave me a picture about that. Just watch what's going to happen. Because this is just the start.